Sure. What happened at the Open, Mr. Olympia? I would normally give a uh, my own review and say, look, this guy didn't deserve to win or he deserved mm-hmm. to win. This year, I have no idea what that was about. <laughs> I I couldn't work it out. I can't no. even give an opinion. I just don't even know what to say anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, look, Steve, I come from a time when I came into bodybuilding, I started reading about you know, the healthy side of it. There was Paul C. Bragg, who was mm-hmm. in his late 90s, mm-hmm. and he had a really young girlfriend. Um, you know, he was the world chin-up chin champion, mm-hmm. and he passed away war skiing in Hawaii. I think it was 98. He had an accident, yeah. and his girlfriend was on the beach sitting there watching this. So this was <clears> – <throat> so when I started reading about this guy – um, he was in his late 80s when I started reading about him and he held yeah. the world chin-up record. Okay, wow. so I said, this guy's not really built like a bodybuilder, mm. but look at what he's doing at this age. Look how healthy he is. And straight yep. away, we knew in order to progress in bodybuilding, you, you had to build your health because the, yep. the healthier you were, the better everything happened. Your muscles grew. You mm-hmm. recovered. You were strong at sports. Everything about it was mm-hmm. positive. It was life. It was like a life extension tool. Now, <laughs> I, I was hearing Dana White talk where he came across this guy that worked for insurance companies, and he's able to determine with your lifestyle when you're going to die, mm-hmm. right? Which I guess could change from day to day or from week to week. Yes, yes. But I, I just. So I came into the sport when everything about bodybuilding was life extending, healthy, Mm -hmm. big muscular, big muscular guys, healthy, longevity, longevity. You were able to do everything. You were a superhuman. Mm -hmm. Now I don't even know, like from week to week, are they going to be alive? What are they doing? When we were younger. Yeah. um, it, that was a message that was given. That was what bodybuilding was all about. And bodybuilding done right increases your longevity massively. Yes. So mm. I feel when it's done correctly, uh, for every hour that we spend in the gym exercising, <clears throat> it's increasing your lifespan by three hours. Oh, every yeah. hour spent in a gym doing what we deem as uh, a sustainable, healthy um you know, life-giving, you you know, that one hour of training and everything that's gone into it, Mm -hmm. I I feel like, okay, now we've extended our lives by three hours by doing this. Now, I don't even know what to say and and what's going on and what's with all, look, because on social media, you, you know, everybody dies and you you hear about it, Mm. but I I don't know with these bodybuilders just mm, fit. Well, John, I've I've got a few opinions on that one. The first one Each year I take my son, or I did take my son to the Arnold Classic in Melbourne, and he'd go around and meet all the bodybuilders. Now, he shook hands with um, Dallas McCarver. Yes. Within, uh, now, that, that afternoon, my son, who was only young then and just starting to show some interest in bodybuilding, um, saw him vomit in the corner of the, the stage, and he, he saw him fall over and people had to carry him. A couple of weeks later, he was dead. He shook hands with Mr. Olympia. Um, oh, dear. Yeah, shook hands with Mr. Uh, one of the current Mr. Olympias, shook his hand, 
he was dead um, a week later. Was that Sean Roden? <laughs> yes, yes, Sean yeah. Roden. Um, we met Cedric McMillan um, at, at the airport. Right. Uh, my son and I, we shook hands with him, dead. You know, but, and, uh, and my son saw this, and um, he's he's been around the more aesthetic side of bodybuilding, as, as you yeah. can probably imagine. That's yeah, what I'm all yeah. about, you know, yeah. um, this era. Yeah. You know, and um, so when I actually showed him his first pro bodybuilding competition, it just left him cold. He's just like, Dad, no, this isn't bodybuilding. Now, this is coming from a, uh, a 15-year-old kid. Okay. So um, what I'm trying to get across to young people is what it used to be like. It's, I'm hearing what you're saying now, and it just resonates with me mm. so much. Uh, my dad, he was an absolute powerhouse, um, brimming with health. In fact, yes, it's see. It's not a good photo of him. I haven't got many good photos of him. I don't know if you can you can see that. Oh wow! Um, yeah. And um, you know, this I grew nice. up seeing yeah. seeing my dad exercise yeah. and without steroids, and no judgment on anyone who takes steroids yeah. without steroids and um, pursuing a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. He he was incredible right up to the age he got Alzheimer's. Um, he was looking at entering a bodybuilding competition at the age of 70. He was going to go on the oh, wow. 70s in Tasmania. Wow. And I'm, I'm convinced if he if he had not got Alzheimer's, him, myself, and my son would have been on stage in the same competition. That's, that's incredible. That <laughs> bodybuilding gives you longevity. It, it, it protects you against falls when you're older. Yep. It stops it stops muscular um, degeneration, which holds back type 2 diabetes yep. and yep. all that sort of stuff. When I had my car crash, which ended my bodybuilding, um, my health went down dramatically. Mm. This type 2 diabetes does run in my family. In fact, not many people did run in my family. Um, <laughs> and um, and um, it got me. Uh, I, I couldn't train for over a decade. I, I had to sleep with a pillow between my knees. Really? The car crash, yep. And uh, my broken foot as well, as we discussed. Yeah. I had a myriad of broken bones from martial arts in the car crash. Oh, okay, okay. So um, I couldn't train during that time. And, and I remember this really obese doctor. Yeah. Sat back. I, I don't think he's seen his sausage and two eggs in about three decades. <laughs> it, was, it was huge. <laughs> I sat back and he goes, don't weight train anymore. It'll um it'll kill you. It um just take it easy. <laughs> and he said, "Why do you want to be big anyway?" And I'm thinking, "Oh my god!" So stu stupid me took his advice, and I oh, didn't want to yeah. train because I thought it would give my back a chance to heal. It got ten times worse. Yeah. Finally, yeah. I decided to totally change my diet, start weight training again. All that pain went it immediately. Went, yes. Oh, within six months. Well, Steve, and, uh, you know, the single set, you know, we do supersets, giant sets, all that mm -hmm. sort of stuff, phosphorus. But when you actually look at the set system, mm. you know, just do a set, right? Mm. It is very, very therapeutic. Mm. Oh, and and um, it's a form of rehabilitation. Yep. If, you, if you look at the way physios give you rehab, you're only a hop, skip and a jump away from turning it into a mm -hmm. regular program absolutely um, yeah i you know and bodybuilding um i'm not sure what it was originally intended for but it was more than just developing your body it was a yeah. form of therapy uh for strengthening mm -hmm. um fixing up injuries right. uh, um, you know all all sorts of um ailments and it was it was a youth it was a youth formula, a fountain of youth. The right. diet. You, it was about virility 
and, yes. um, yeah, yeah. and athleticism. Yes. Uh, I think you've seen a video of my dad going back to my dad again. My dad always taught me a few things as I was growing up. See, I, I started hanging around in gyms when I was three years old. I was very oh. lucky. Okay. I had no chance of not being obsessed with bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd hear the car keys go on a Saturday morning and, and my dad ran the gym in Devonport. I'd yeah. race up to the car and I'd jump in there with him. We'd go there. There'd already be a bunch bunch of guys at the door ready to train. There was no music back then. The only heavy metal was the iron clanging. Yeah. He'd open the door, he'd walk in, and he would walk around the gym and he'd, he'd just adjust, uh, you know, the little pinky finger up this way, the elbow up that way, and it would make each exercise more excruciatingly anabolic. Yeah. And these guys yeah. would be in agony, and they were loving it. And anyone that was trained by my dad developed the same look, the wide shoulders, the, the lats that just came in to a tiny, tight waist. He had them following a, um, a high-fat, high-protein, medium-carb diet, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he didn't ask them to bulk up. He said, take your time, go at it slowly, and um, he was all about longevity and being able to move as well. He said, yeah. no point being a bodybuilder if you can't move. Can't move. You have to walk like you've got a stick up your bum. That's, You're not a bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, and a bodybuilder in his eyes and my eyes, and this is what I'm trying to get across to the youth of today, has virility, has flexibility, um, has uh, an athletic, what they call an athletic gait, uh, a, mm. a way of walking, which um, like Steve Reed's, Reed's Park yep. and all that. Yep. See, my dad, he started bodybuilding because he walked out, he was walking past an auditorium and out walked um, Reg Park in a suit and he'd never seen anything like it in his life. Yeah. My dad was always athletic. He was a soccer player, but amazingly yep. fit. Yeah, He wasn't a bodybuilder. He was a skinny, skinny man like I was yep. when I started. Yep. And he saw this guy and he's like, who the hell is that? He'd never seen anything like it. And he was just transfixed. Next day, he went to the news agent. There was Reg Park on the cover oh. of bodybuilding magazine. And he read it from cover to cover. He's a very scientific man. He wrote down all the things, but okay. um, all the main points from the magazines over the next few months and divides his own routine. He just grew like that. He just started to grow and grow and grow. But it's this... The way Reg Park carried himself, the way he walked, his presence, his aura, his vitality. He always said that he didn't take steroids. Now, I don't know about that one. Um, If he did, it probably took minimal doses. But um, he he was always about health and getting enough sun and um, always being active. You you know, you see him in South Africa swimming all the time and moving. And and Steve also... um, I'm not advocating the use of steroids, but they weren't made to make you ill. They were actually yeah. made to improve yeah. your health. Yep. Um, yep. And, and you know, to help you overcome <clears throat> war injuries and all sorts of um, debilitating things that can happen to you. That's that's what they were made for. They were not made to make people sick. No, that's right. Um, well, Marcus so Roy- I'm not sure... Yeah, I was just thinking Sorry, of a Marcus quote. Ruhl, yeah. Marcus Rule, the, the, the massive mass monster from yeah. Germany. I'll, I'll tell you a story about him afterwards. I met him, <laughs> um, yeah. but he's he's got a famous quote: "I'm not doing this for health. I'm doing this to get huge." And yeah, that, was, that pretty much sums up the modern bodybuilding mentality. It's it's almost suicide in a needle. It is. It's it crazy. Is. You know, when when I when I first started, this is what my dad got me onto: freeze dried um, bull's liver. Primal then, energy. Yeah, primal beef. energy, beef yep. liver, grass-fed yep. beef. Where do you get those from? 
because um, they're not available. I, I got this one from a shop in Melbourne. Um, you can get them online. You can get um, so they actually have that in a shop. Uh, they do have it in some health shops. If you go to a health shop, you'll you'll find it. If okay. not, you can get it online for quite a. They're, okay. they're pretty expensive, but it's it's worth it. This is what so they're my li- liver meant. tablets, basically yep. liver tablets. Yeah. Yep. Because remember, so, he also used to have the glandulars. Vince Gironda mm-hmm. used to advocate glandulars, and those glandulars yeah. are still available in the United States. And I, yeah. I, I never actually used. I think maybe once I tried one thing, but there were people who took these glandulars that have also used anabolic steroids, and they said, "Well, they pretty much work the same <laughs> way." But it, it worked for me. The side effect. So you took the glandulars. Um, I, I took oh, the liver, my, liver tablets, and, yeah. And I took the liver tablets by, yeah. by boatload. I didn't take the glandulars, but they're making a comeback now. There's an Australian company that makes, and it, it sells all really? the organ meats dry okay. in, in tablet format. That's interesting. Um, and it's interesting that um, liver and things like that are making a comeback because I don't know if you've seen a guy called Liver King. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Now, he's taken it to extremes. He's, he's obviously, you know, chowing down on bull's testicles online. Um, he's taken it to the next extreme. Good luck getting a girlfriend doing that. But um, <laughs> the, behind, the mind behind it is yeah. um, eating, the, eating those quality organs um, really does have an effect on the body. It, it's, yeah. it's been proven over, over many years of bodybuilders. It's mm. not just hearsay. It's um, lots of people have taken it and, and noted the difference, especially Vince Geronda. And, um, you know, that's what my dad got me onto. But going back to your original question about the um, 2023 Mr. Olympia, and um, I think you were in the same mindset as me that something had gone drastically wrong that day. Now, I'm not a fan of Hattie. Um, I, I think he's a little bit too blocky and refrigeresque, but he was in way better condition that day. Yes. Ripped, shredded. From if you're the- going to choose between Hattie and, um, and our current Mr. Olympia, I would have chosen Hattie, but um, yeah, the the Mister Olympia who won, you know, when when he's got his arms up, he's got these incredible lumps under his lats. Now that's not muscle. I've ne- I've been watching bodybuilding since nineteen seventy six, and I have never seen lumps like that. That was uh, something to do with injections for sure. And so many people have called him out on it. Could it could um, it have been some sort of uh, lymphatic? Uh, drainage problem, your lymph, your lymph nodes are underneath there. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Steve, let's look at this logically. His best body part is his lats and his back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Why on earth would you inject anything further into something that's already on the verge of being overdeveloped? Because this is what they do. Um, take Kim <laughs> Kardashian. It's Kim Kardashian, right? She's um, she's a world famous. Um, well, I don't know what what she's famous. Well, I do know what she's famous for. <laughs> what she originally became famous for, but she's been known for her butt. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Yet look what she's done to it recently. She has injected so much oil into her butt. It looks like a Clydesdale horse. It's it's out here, and yet her hamstrings are flat as. So you've got this back. Amazingly huge ass, and then and then flat hamstrings, and it looks atrocious, and everyone's calling her out on it. Bodybuilders do the same thing. They think I've got this incredible body part. If I put just a tiny bit more in, more it'll, it'll, be, it'll be even more big. Um, perfect example: Ernie Taylor. When he first started, I know he had he had incredible um, triceps. What did he do to him? He injected <laughs> more. Injected more, and would wobble his triceps like this. Mm-hmm. 
stupid me back in the day didn't have as much knowledge about it. Yes. Now I know what he did, and I look back on it and think, oh, my God. Um, I can think of a few other examples where people have taken a great body part and they're famous for it, and they think, well, it's that mindset of, oh, I can just do that a little bit more. And everybody was talking about how much more um, Derek's lats had improved in one year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at look at who his trainer is. His trainer, oh, I should probably be careful what I say here. No, no, say what you need to say because right. we're not um we're not abusing anyone. We're talking no, about no, it. it's no. your opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well um, his his trainer is um Henny Rambod. Yes. Oh, it's it's obvious that anyone he trains is going to be heavily on the growth hormone insulin combo. Okay. And I'm even seeing that with our current physique Olympia. Um, and, you know, God knows what else. And um, I, I can just see signs of oil in the people he trains. It's, it's okay. Here. So he also it's trains different. He also trains Chris Bumstead. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure about Chris Bumstead's biceps and what's happened to him lately, mm-hmm. but I did see um one pose or a couple of poses mm. where he was flexing his biceps and I don't know, it just looked a bit strange. It did. It did. I yeah. and the right quad, the rectus femoris, um, it, it seemed to be split in two. He must have had some sort of injury and he can't yeah. help it. Um, but I have to ask, are there others with, who are smaller with better flow to their physiques? Yeah. Yeah, I've never been one for admiring a hummer over a Lamborghini. Yeah. Give me a take yourself. Um I, I did have a photo of you in one of my Iron Man magazines I was going to mm. show you this morning. Yeah. It might be this one. If I just quickly okay. glance through it. I don't think it it was a picture of you in the early eighties mm. mm-hmm. and it was phenomenal. And you have what I call a Lamborghini physique. Okay. You know, you, you're not about where well, you were a big powerful guy, but um you know you, you've got your people like Marcus Rule um Post ninety eight, Ronnie Coleman, um, Big Remy, all, all those people—they—they they are what I call Hummer physiques. You know, Arnold's Hummer. I'd oh, much, okay, okay. Yeah, I'd much so where, rather. Where would you put? Where would you put Lee Haney? He was a bit of both. He was small a bit waist, small beautiful, waist. beautiful hips. Yeah, he had ecto and mesomorphic traits. So he yeah. had the small weight. He, he definitely had that um, incredible bulk up the top, didn't he? Well, the um, way the way his lats tied into his waist, right? You, you got the lats, yeah. and it was the tie-in to his waist, and then the way the waist tied into the yep. hips. Yeah. Because when you look at um, the guy with a really small waist from England, Brian Buchanan, Buchanan. Mm-hmm. yeah, it just didn't look it just didn't look right because you'd have this super small waist, yeah, um, which came down to a point where the hips then took over. Yeah, and when you looked at him side on, mm. you think, "Wait on, this guy had a small waist from the front side on. Is this the same Not waist?" Not so much. No, that's right. right? Yeah. So really, Lee <laughs> had everything put together in a manner where it makes it mm. difficult for you to even say, "Well, where do I fit this guy in?" Totally. He he was oh genetics from the gods there. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of genetics, that's another thing I want to ask you about later because um, you've mentioned genetics in the past and how that term annoys you a little bit. It does. It puts a ceiling on what people can achieve. Yes. So I was going to ask you about that yes. later as well. Yeah. And yeah, I'll we'll go into your that. opinions about that. Yeah. So, so um, 
Yeah. Um, so Lee, for you, does Lee Haney fit into that mould of um, aesthetic? Yes. Um, he would be pushing the limits, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I feel later on when, when he relaxed, um, the bulk sort of hung down a little bit. I would say a very large Lamborghini. Yeah. What about Bertle like Fox? What about someone like Bertle Fox who... Bertle Fox, oh, look, um, he he was still within the realms of not ruining his, his God-given lines. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? I still think he was, for, for all his power and bulk, still slightly a Lamborghini physique right. because he kept everything tight. Yeah. It wasn't overblown and fake looking like what you're getting now. Let's mm. let's be honest. The reason they look so big now, the reason they look so bulbous and they're lacking the the separation of the hardens is because they're on this dreadful growth hormone and insulin combo. What in God's name is anyone bodybuilding doing taking growth hormone and insulin that's supposed to treat type two diabetes? They're gonna end up with their with pancreatic pancreatic problems. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's um, it's scary when you think about it, simply oh. because of the mindset. Look, maybe I'm more scared than other people because it's the mindset that I came from. Yeah, and now it's turned into something totally dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it has. And that look, you and I are on the same same page. Um, and this is what I'm trying to get across on my TikTok channel. Um, which is which has taken off with a lot of the younger guys. I'm finding a lot of young guys are now starting to change in the way they're thinking since. Yep. Hearing yep. me, some old fart <laughs> who's obsessed with the old days, yep. um, talking about longevity, things that they don't hear about from anyone else, posing. Someone commented the other day, um, I'm, I'm such a snob about posing since following your channel. I said, that's exactly what I want. You know, um, when, when you and I finally meet up, what I want to do is to have you going through some movements on the edge of a cliff. Yes. And yes. my son's got a really good drone. Yeah, love to do that. Really and zoom in on you, but then flash back to some um, what was... movements of you doing the same thing on the Olympia stage yes, yes. In, in your prime and then go yes. back to you yes. now and show that, yes, you can still have it. You can have longevity. You can still yes. move well. That yes. aesthetic mindset, that artistic mindset never leaves you. And I'm finding more and more people are turning towards that. And that's my goal. I, um, you know, in terms of bodybuilding, I'm an absolute nobody. I have no um, – I'm proud of myself because I was the skinniest man you've ever seen in your life. It, I could have hidden behind a telegraph pole. <laughs> um, it was ridiculous. But, you know, over a long period of years, I gradually built, 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 built until the stage where I was visibly a bodybuilder. And anyone who'd seen me back in school or – well, my teenage years would have gone, there's not a chance in hell. Not a chance in hell Steve can get on a bodybuilding stage. And that's why. I don't know. Said, I saw a pretty mean-looking lat spread of yours. Yeah, I was pretty proud of that uh, one. <laughs> they called me the lat man. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, you know, um, there's that V tape, but there's a lot of beef. Yeah, yeah. A lot of yeah. beef. Yes, and you, ha you haven't used anything. Never, never. Wow. Um, yeah. But the thing is, honestly, I never would have won anything because of my calves. Once once I broke my foot doing, um, I was trying to break some boards and uh, they got a yellow belt to hold, mm. some yellow belts to hold them. When I went to kick through it, through these two boards with a turning kick, they flinched and instead my foot concertina it up. Hold on. I'll show you my foot now. Here we go. I don't know if you can see that. Okay. 
See how it's all warped and bent? Yeah, yeah. It's about an inch and a half shorter than the other one. So, oh, um, so that that stopped me from ever winning a competition. But my last competition I was entering, I'd, I'd just got married, and uh, oh, sorry, no, I was just about to get married, and um, I was. I say it myself, but I was looking really good shape. I, my back had never been as big. Um, the lap man was in the house, <laughs> and um, I was really proud of what I'd done. And then I crashed into a truck. I was, I was driving driving to work, and I slid on some cow poo across the road, and I slid straight into a truck, ended everything for me. I, I Now I'm training my son, and you, you're not going to believe what you see by the time I'm done with him, John. He's... His lats. Already what I've seen looks pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. His lats are going to be insane. Lats seem to be a thing in my family. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, you know, you can see my dad be. I don't know if it's yeah, you can no, see yeah. how, but, old, um, how old's your dad there? Oh, there? Um, he would be um, mid to late 20s. So yeah. ha- what? He, he was a gym owner. Did he, Later what, did on, he do, yeah. what did he do before he became a gym owner? Well, he he was a school teacher. He and okay. um, yeah, so school teacher, and, and and that was it. You know, he'd always he'd always play soccer and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then that chance meeting with Reg Park changed everything, and he he grew very fast, applying what the magazines said in the olden days. Now, magazines like this that gave real advice, real quality articles, um, no bullshit. So he would have seen he would have seen um, Reg Park in England or mm-hmm. yeah it okay. was it was Manchester he saw him walking out of a Manchester auditorium all right Even so Liverpool one of those two you, your father was a school teacher in England yes yeah and, and then, then he, he emigrated to to Australia, um, to Sydney and continued to be um, a school teacher yep yep he was a PhD for a mass teacher did it ever get to a point where he was just a gym person he's a gym owner he made his money from owning a gym and stopped no. teaching the no he always taught and the bodybuilding for him was more of a lifestyle thing um he he never competed and that was one of his biggest regrets um he always said there was no point in me competing because i always wanted to stay natural and um I think in the back of his head he would have liked to, but back then there weren't any re- really any natural competitions in Tasmania. But but, the, but Steve, um, there's a lot of bodybuilders um, like myself, Tony Pearson. We didn't go around saying we were natural. We weren't mm. using anything. And you know, mm. Tony Pearson, when you look at the condition he was in when he won the 1978 Mister America, mm. and he was using nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Later yep. on, he probably did use, I think he said, you know, he did bits and pieces, but yep. I don't think he ever reached that condition that he had at the 78 America. He did. He wasn't as sharp. He was never he that did. sharp again. That no. was without any drugs. When I, my yeah. best ever condition, believe it or not, was at the 1980 Best in Australia. I, I wasn't using, I wasn't using anything and I never mm-hmm. got that conditioned again. Yeah, you were I got, close, I got close to it, or maybe even more, but you could. It wasn't the same look because when you're not using anything, the body takes on a. Um, it's a different look. It does. And, and and when you when you peak, and you're not using anything, ah, uh, you know it all comes out and you, and it's there, and you're going, well, wow, look look what I've done, and I I haven't yeah. used anything, right? Yeah. Leading up to it, you've really got to stay confident because you may not. You know, 
people that don't use um, as you're getting in shape don't show the same as somebody who who is using. But in the end, when you're finally done and you step up on stage, I I sometimes think it's um, it's actually a benefit not to use anything because if you if you're able to build your body without using anything, it is a different look. It is, and, and your conditioning. It's real. There's no. There's not all this water you got to deal with. Exactly. Um, there's, there's not all this um, cosmetic stuff yeah. that, that you got to deal with. It's like yep. this is me. I'm real. This is real muscle. Yep. Um, and you, you know, you, you you still go through the pain that you do when you compete. Mm. You know, it's it's not easy whether you're natural or or enhanced. Um, and, and it's a different look. And 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 the, the good thing about it was, Steve, knowing that you did it on your own without any help. I used one of the biggest highs I used to get is not telling anyone that I was natural, but mm. beating the guys that were using stuff. <laughs> right. And I'm going, well, you know, I, but I didn't throw it in their face. It was a personal yeah. thing for myself. Yes. Self-satisfaction. And then one day because Roger Walker was competing in the Mr. South Pacific contest, I said, when are you ever going to get a chance again to stand next to a pro of that caliber? Mm-hmm. It was the 1979 Pro-Am Mr. South Pacific. Yep. I hadn't been training. So six weeks before that contest, I started training for it. Mm. And I think I even left my job. Mm. Um, I wasn't in great shape, but right there, um, I, I thought, you know, you've got all these plans, but really, when will you ever stand next to a pro bodybuilder? This is, mm. they never mm. compared me to Roger, never got to stand next to him, but that contest and the caliber of it, yeah, yeah. Um, the 1979 Pro M Mr. South Pacific, I ended up getting third place as a middleweight. Ivan mm. Drelich won the overall. And because Roger was not in peak condition, he was two mm. weeks away from the Mr. Olympia. Yeah, he actually lost the overall title to Ivan. Mm. Then two weeks later, he's made top six in the Mister Olympia, and that's when I realised. I said, "You know what? You're always looking at the American bodybuilding scene. You realise what you were just put through here—the mm. caliber of competition <laughs> and what you're going to have to do to be mm. the best in Australia." Yeah, that was yeah. that was the wake up call. That was the turning point. Yeah, right. But again, um, at that contest. I was natural. I wrote it down on my form and Paul Graham would not read it out. He read out everything on everybody's form, what gym you came from, how big your arms were, what you had for dinner, all sorts of personal details. Mm. I put down the one thing that I wanted read out was that I'm not using anything. I'm natural. So when he didn't announce it, he didn't announce it in the prejudging. Then at the night show, I went to him and I said, Paul, Twice now you've announced me and you're not reading what I've put on my form that I'm actually natural. Why aren't you saying that? And he goes, I'll tell you why. He goes, Channel Nine's here. And if I was to say you were natural, the first thing they're going to say to me is, what are the others doing? (laughs) So right then it was unspoken back then. Why continue with this? Nobody even wants to know that you're not using anything. Yeah, Chuck Yorton's making a lot of noise over in the United States. But you're in Sydney, Australia, mate. Nobody cares, <laughs> right? So from there, I thought at some stage you'll end up using, just get as big as you can mm-hmm. without using anything. So then a year later, 
at the Opera House. I think you may have seen that. That's yes, I have. 1980, Mr. Olympus. I won the best in Australia. Australia. I wasn't using anything. Wow. And and that day, I, I think I proved that I was the best amateur bodybuilder in Australia. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, so we didn't, th- there was a lot of good people that never used them. We didn't say anything. Mm, mm. And I think when you do that, Steve, the other thing is like, if you look at Kay Green and Ronnie Coleman, you can say whatever you want about them. But I think they were two bodybuilders that went a long way without using anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when they finally did start using yep. a little bit, probably went a long way. 100%. And they'd established that base as well. Yeah. You know, I always say to um, young people, you don't build a house on swampland. No. You establish a really strong foundation before you build yeah. that. Yeah. And that's what you need to do. But nowadays, people are just jumping on the gear. And that's why you see these melting snowmen once they finish. They just shrink to nothing like Paul Gillette. These these people that jumped on the gas right, right from the get-go, um, once they stop, they shrink back to nothing. Yeah, if you've got that natural base... You can always call back on that. Um, you, that, that. Having that strong natural base built up over many years before you try something um, is, is vital. And, and is. this is another difference between the, the physiques we saw in, in your era and the 80s and, and so on and now. And uh, that, that's a big difference. Teenagers, they'll start training um, two weeks and they'll message me and go, what should I take? I said, I, I don't know. I, You're I, a bloody I, teenager. Don't, don't do it. Take... Um, Take bull's liver, sleep eight hours a night, mm. take creatine, <laughs> um, follow a, an immaculate diet, don't smoke, don't do dope, don't do any of that stuff, and uh, come back in five years and ask the same question. <laughs> yeah, You know, I let them have it. And they don't like the answer sometimes, but a lot of now listening to me. Look, what I do um, in a situation like that, I don't try to be Spartan, whereas it's a, no drinking, you can't yeah. do this. Let them understand the importance of it, but if you've got a couple of vices, you, yeah, you are yeah. human, yeah. you know, like it's, um, and, and, but, but that natural base and just Steve, the satisfaction of knowing like I've, I've made gains with steroids and without steroids. And I've got to tell you, yeah. mm, once you know how to diet and train, I'm mm. not so sure that steroids make that much difference to a person mm. like me as they would to someone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, Some people are hyper-responders, aren't they? They, they well, take it's, it. It's, it's not just about um, hyper-responsiveness, but also the fact that you know what to do and you actually don't need them. Mm. And I've, I've measured my gains while I've been using something, and I'm going, well, John, um, this is really great, but why, why are you using anything at all? You've made the same gains. You've measured yes. the same. You've looked the same, if not better, without using anything. Why are you even doing this? One of the things, again, I've got to get back to D- Tony Pearson because, like, you know, when you talk about longevity, he's got to be one of the very best mm. examples. Look at him at, at, at his totally. age. Yeah. You know, he one of the things he said is when he did use he made sure that he didn't go overboard with poundages or doing anything ridiculous mm-hmm. that he couldn't do later on when he was off yeah so there was always this even keel yeah yeah right yeah. That, um that you try and create i, I never did that i i mm-hmm. think i blew my gaskets before um my time you know yeah. by going overboard 
But that's yeah. one of the things that should be considered because, you know, people will end up using all sorts of things. But also having said that, you know, when I was using those liver tablets, Steve, I was using 100 of them a day with amino acids. Okay. Now, don't tell me that's a natural thing. You can say you're natural because you weren't using steroids, but using yeah. 100 liver tablets a day. That's not naturally. <laughs> with about... Uh, I don't know how much amino acid because you were uh -huh. doing that in between meals. That was one of the things yeah. that Mr. Ronda recommended yeah. to keep your nitrogen uh -huh. balanced and the up. Eggs. Uh -huh. And the eggs, uh -huh. right? So really, were we natural? Was that all, you know? Yeah, yeah. True. You know, 12 chicken breasts a day. Like, is really, when you look at it, Steve, come on, 100 mm. liver tablets, yeah. uh, all the meat, all the protein. It's that, a lot to process, isn't it? It's a lot to process. But having mm. said that, you back off from doing that and you've got the, you know, the if you back off the extremes of contest training uh, and you, you just go to how a regular bodybuilder would have lived in those days, life extension tool. That's a life extension yeah. tool. Yep, yep. Well, um, I'm doing a lot more reading about longevity and so on now. Since, yep. since I beat type 2, when I got type 2 diabetes, when I couldn't move and I was eating through depression, and um, getting stuck into the biscuits for the first time in my life. See, before you you mentioned Spartan, um, for someone like me who has absolutely dismal genetics, in order to become any form of bodybuilder, I literally had had to. If I were to do, if I were to get less sleep, if I were to have any form of junk food, I would start to get sniffy, and, and my performance in the gym would falter. Um, alcohol just did not agree with me whatsoever. I'd find my gut would bloat, and I'd feel like crap. Yeah, for the next couple of workouts. So for me, a Spartan existence did work. Um, but, but Steve, how much how much alcohol are we talking about? Because not very <clears> much. <throat> I'm not a drinker. Yeah, I was yeah. never a drinker. You just, I'm talking you... going out on a Saturday night and um, and having a few. But yeah. um, after, you know, if I had a workout Sunday night or Monday night, I hated how I felt. Mm. Yet if, mm. if I if I if all the if all the dominoes were lined up perfectly for me, I grew and I, I grew and, and people couldn't believe what I was, I was doing considering I, at that, you know, at that stage I was, I was natural and, um, and um, they, they couldn't believe the changes that I was, I was making compared Steve, to what I was. Did you want to ask me about genetics now? Because on one hand you're telling me your genetics were no good, but on the other hand, you're telling me when you dialed it in, and, you, and this is yeah. what I always say, you've got to find mm -hmm. whatever it is that mm -hmm. when you have found it, you go, okay, yeah. Yeah. this is the program I should be on. Yep. This is how I should be eating. And you were making those phenomenal gains yep. without using anything. That's right. So, so why tell me you have rotten genetics when you know you unlocked the code and you did it. As far as I'm concerned, genetics never won anything for anyone. Mm, hard work and tenacity. And well, I mean, you know, Gaspari was accused of not having good genetics. Yeah. And then when you look at it, <laughs> oh, well, God. he even said it. I saw a, a podcast of his earlier. He just finished the back workout and he said why he always keeps a positive state of mind and how he was told that he didn't have genetics and he was this and he was that. But look at the guy. Yeah, you know, and, and his calves. Look at his calves. <laughs> you know, but also even Lee Haney said it. He goes, when you look at Lee Haney, he mm -hmm. goes, my mother was six foot. 
Mm. My father was six foot. There's no surprise that I popped out. No, no. When you look at Richard Gaspari, five foot father, father, five yeah. foot mother, no signs of any genetics, nothing. Mm. Where did it all come from? Mm. You know, the, the, uh, the one thing I've got to say about Gaspari that I, I noticed in his younger days, he's got this fierce, this fierce look behind his eyes. Oh, yeah. If he's going yeah. to tackle Hungry. something. Mm. Hungry. Uh, I, I can do it as well, but I don't think not too many people are as consistent as Rich Gaspari at keeping that intensity going. Yeah. I've I've done it for a short period of time, and yeah. probably so have you. Yes. But the consistency of Gaspari and that mindset far outweighs any sort of genetic gift. Even Lee Haney said it. He goes, his parents were five foot. He goes... Yeah. When we went in the gym, he goes, nothing was going to stop this guy. He used to froth mm. at the mouth. <laughs> you know, that's and, – and with me, sometimes people have asked me, and I said, you know what, you've just got to want this so bad. Mm. You've really got to want it so bad, and I can't explain to you how bad you've got to want it and what you've got to do. Mm. It's sheer willpower, and Steve, there's a skill involved. Mm. There's, there's work ethic. You yep. didn't just come – whatever you did – to make all these gains, mm -hmm. you know, one minute you're telling me your genetics are no good, mm. but you're over six foot. Mm. You're as wide as a barn door. Was. <laughs> Will be again. Will be again. Okay. <laughs> and you're telling me that your genetics are no good, but this is why I get the shits with any mm. discussions about genetics. Yeah. yeah. You know, and sometimes you see a person who's eating maybe junk food and he's training like an idiot, but you know what? that guy's got his own little system going that actually works. Mm -hmm. Whatever yep. it is that he's doing, and as silly as it looks, he's cottoned on, he's fell mm -hmm. upon a system that's actually working for him. You go, but hold on, look at him. He has sandwiches for lunch. He's lean. Uh, I eat like that. And I get, yeah, it, it's, it's an environmental thing, Steve, because I've been caught in a position where um, it was very stressful. I was getting blackmailed mm -hmm. and... I, I was, I was not in a good situation mm. and um, I remember I, I just, I couldn't eat, mm. right? Couldn't eat that week, okay. mm -hmm. that week I've never lost so much body fat. Obviously I lost a bit of muscle, but that week I happened to do a body fat test and I'm going, mate, you're actually really lean from, from being blackmailed. It's <laughs> so it's an environmental thing. It's the environment yeah. that you're caught yeah. in. You cannot change the environment that you're in. So the one thing I've always done is, okay, well, if I'm living in this environment, you're not going to be able to do 20 sets of body part, but 20 sets of body part was working. Why can't I do it now? No, drop that train within your environment. So all mm -hmm. I can do now mm -hmm. is do a system where I have to train more or less like Mike Mensah, one set warm up, one set to failure. Yeah. And then you do that system, you develop a system which is to do with your environment and you make gains because you, mm -hmm. you're doing something. I think where people fail, they put these unrealistic expectations in their head. Then they get caught up in a job or something happens and they stop training because it's unsustainable mm. and they're not living within their environment. Mm -hmm. So if you can adapt to your environment, that to me 
makes more sense than saying, oh, i got good genetics or I don't have good genetics. You're training within your environment. Yeah. I don't know if you and agree with that, but to me it's... I agree with that totally. And uh, you gave me some advice last year. I took 19 years off... Oh, I'm 19 years. 19 weeks off work. I, got, I had long service leave as a teacher and I made it so that I had the summer holidays beforehand, then the whole of term one, and then the holidays after that. So I ended up with 19 weeks and I said to my wife, I'm going all out. I didn't tell her I was going to train for a bodybuilding competition. Mm. And I started to grow and I was, oh God, it was awesome. My, my muscles started growing again. And I was growing and growing and I have never trained more than four days a week the entire time because I've either been studying to become a teacher or I have been a teacher and, um, and, you know, when, when you're teaching is a very demanding job, you wouldn't think so, but it is. It and be, yeah. um, so, you know, four days a week as a nanny was enough for me to, to really grow. And I remember saying to you, I'm going to train for the first time five or six days a week. Like the prof I've never done that before. I want to see how I go. And I remember you saying to me, don't, <laughs> don't train that much. I didn't listen to you. And I, after about week eight, my muscles were growing like crazy. But with the added um, days training, I started to overtrain and mm. my muscles stopped and I eventually started to take on a little bit of a, a softer look and I, I wasn't recovering. You know, right. I, I okay. wasn't recovering from the workouts. So, again, um, what I should have done is train three days a week really, really hard um, and and then gone into for recovery, cold showers, massage. Yes, uh, yes heaps of vegetables and healthy food and then got into the gym again full, full of pep but um in terms of genetics when, when i say i've got bad genetics i, I had a sunken chest and um, i remember my dad even from an early age would get me to do pullovers all the time and he said this will fix your sunken chest so i had a sunken chest that a pirate would have been proud to find you know it was it was, it was terrible in terms of my genetics um i guess i refer to the fact that what I used to consider a curse genetically has actually been mm. an advantage. You know, I have ankles like a ballerina's. I have the smallest ankles you've ever seen in your life. I've got tiny, tiny, tiny wrists. Wrists. But, um, and I have to have the smallest hole on a watch band in order yeah. for it to fit. Yeah. But yeah. when you build the muscle up, mm. a, tiny, a tiny frame like mine makes you look twice as big and yeah. creates an op optical illusion. Yeah. And yep. it worked to my advantage, you know, because my waist and hips were so tiny. When I did a lat spread, I can remember doing a lat spread in my second competition. And um, before that, I just walked out and they were politely clapping and yeah, but, and then when I turned around and hit a lat spread, there was one lady up the front. I won't tell you what she's holy, and uh, <laughs> she said it very loud, and everyone laughed. And I'm like, okay, because um, I'd hit the lat spread, tiny waist, lats came right out, and um, so what I originally considered a curse because it was before I had started weight training really, really hard. Uh, now I consider a blessing. I've managed to bring my sunken chest out through mm -hmm. um, through years of pullovers during my teenage years. Um, all the things that my dad taught me, I applied, and it fixed all those problems. But I used to follow a guy called Stuart McRobert, and he used to have a, a, um, a column called Brawn with Stuart McRobert or The Hard Gainer. What was it called? What was it called? The hard, um, it was The Hard Gainer. That's right. I remember that. Stuart yeah, McRobert. Yeah. 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 It was also and, Bradley J. Stainer. Yes, yes. Yep. And his advice was really sound. It's terrific advice. But I took on that word 
hard gainer for a long time. And for, oh, I'm a hard gainer. Everyone else is growing faster than me. I must be a hard gainer. And now knowing what I know about the power of words and, and the power that they can have over you and the effect. And I follow something called the secret, which I'll tell you about later on. Yes. You're going um, to the secret. Yeah. Um, repeating the word hard gainer all the time actually is a self-fulfilling prophecy and actually stops you from getting big. So uh, it was actually my son that stopped me from doing that. My son follows the secret to the letter and yep. uh, progress like that since, since he has. He said, I'm, I'm not calling myself a hard gainer. Um, and if, if you switch your way of thinking to um, I'm progressing, I'm growing, I'm full of vitality, I have defeated type 2 diabetes, I'm going to grow like crazy. My lats are going to... You look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. He used to do it. He said, my biceps yep. are like mountains. Frank Zane, all the people I admire, they all have that positive mindset. They don't put ceilings on their achievements. No. So, I'm going to do this. I'm going to achieve this. And once I went to that place as, as a young man, uh, it, it just took off. <laughs> but, you know, back in the day when I first started training... um. I can remember my my best friend, who was best man at my wedding, and myself. We were both incredibly skinny. He was even skinnier than I was, if, if mm. that's at all possible. And we walked down the beach, and I think you might know this story. And there was a beautiful group of women over in the corner, and they they dropped to their knees, not in worship, but in laughter, <laughs> tears. And Jace looked at me, and he said to me, "That's it. That is bloody it. I've had enough." And then, funny enough, that night. A school, um, um, a school bully who was a fuck and beat everyone up around Devonport was driving past us and he stopped his car, got out and beat the nine living hells out of me for no reason whatsoever. He just used to do it. And I thought to myself, oh my God. That, yeah, that's it. Both those things happened that day. And uh, Jace goes, he, he went to my dad and um, he he was upset. He was upset. He said, I've had, I've had a gut full of it. I can't stand what I see in the mirror, I can't stand being weak. I can't stand being small. So my dad took him in the lounge room and, and wrote all this stuff down for him. And he, he walked out with his pad. And um, after a while, during the winter, I noticed he started wearing lots of jumpers. And we mm. gave him an absolute baking over it. We, we laughed and carried on going, you're not fooling anybody. Anyway, he just kept on all these layers of jumpers or what were assumed were layers of jumpers. Summer came <laughs> He hadn't been wearing lots of jumpers at all. He'd bloody grown. Mm. And he'd grown like crazy and applied exactly what my dad had said. You know, sons don't always listen to their dads. And I, I wanted to follow magazines like this, yeah. which, um, you know, still had great advice. But by this stage, you were talking about really huge guys who were on heavy steroids yeah, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And the advice doesn't always apply to a natural skinny man like myself mm. who should employ a more reduced um, recovery-based um, exercise format. So my, my friend, my best friend, had done that, and he took off his jumper, and, and Mao's just dropped, and the smug look on his face, because we've been bagging him out all winter about wearing jumpers, but he hadn't been wearing jumpers. He just had a couple, and um, he, he put on all his size, and then he just grew and grew, and if you looked at him, you'd say, never in a million years, never would you look like a bodybuilder, and he was insane, way better than I look. Like, he's back. And I'm trying to get him back on the weights now because he's hit a hard run and he he, he likes a drink or four. And um, I'm trying to get him back into the 
<laughs> trying to get him back into the weights. And um, I'm starting to see a bit of a hungry look in his eye. I'm going okay. to, I'm actually going to go to his door with my camera and for okay. my TikTok, I'm going to lay a challenge on him right on his doorstep. And uh, whenever he's around me, he just wants to start training again. <laughs> and you know then, what? You're, you know, life gets I, I, in the I way. Think you're, you're probably your own worst enemy, I think. I, I was thinking about this as if I was coaching this guy, I'd stop him from letting all these things get in the way and he'd probably become huge and he knows how to do it. Yeah. But you'll, I, I keep using this analogy. It's like a builder who's built all these beautiful mansions, right? Then you have a look at his house and it's horrible. Mm. You know, he does it for everybody else, but he can't yep. do it for himself. Yep. Not yep. because he doesn't know how to, he, he just doesn't. And as yeah. you were talking, I thought, listen to him. He's yeah. telling you how he's come up with the diet, with yeah. the training program that basically mm. had him growing like he was taking a cycle and he mm. wasn't. Mm. That's Steve discovered what actually works for him. The problem is his problem is he has a problem applying it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's not answerable to anybody. Yeah, that's why I thought if I was dealing with him and I was actually his mm. coach, this guy probably um, turn into something he's never been before for sure. Mm. So that's that's why when you you know claim that I get annoyed over genetics, I do. Yeah, so it, yeah. It, it's annoying that people keep bringing it up. Yeah. And what are genetics? Right. Well, genetics are something where okay, you put together a particular way, and sometimes you don't even know that you've got those genetics or even with me, when you saw mm -hmm. my body before I, I started anything, I'm going, there was no signs of this small waist. I yeah. had these drooping shoulders. Mm -hmm. I had hips that were out here. I had a belly that was in here. And I'm really? like, how, how I'm looking at myself in the mirror and go, whatever the answer is, I don't know, but I'm not going to stop. I'm not mm -hmm. going to take no for an answer. This mm -hmm. is not going to get in my way. I'm going to change this. And honestly, Steve, when if, if you looked at my structure, mm. you, there was – it's like it, – and, and then you look at that photo of me standing relaxed where, I, I, you know, I've got th that V-taper that you like. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I just – looking at what I had and then looking at that, I'm going, how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And the fact is, you discover you don't give up. Uh, there was two years where I made absolutely no gains. And that's when I started reading Bradley J. Stainer, and I'm going, you're mm -hmm. a hard gainer. Yep. Just, you're a hard gainer. Mm. And then I thought, you might want to stop using that term Yep. Just and just avoid all this and just go for it. Mm. Stop being so technical. Stop reading about who can gain and what you can't gain and what you can't do. This is all other people's opinion. Just yeah. go to where you've got to go to. And where I had to go to was a huge leap to take over. We had really good guys here, Steve, mm -hmm. right? So it to become tough, the best in Australia, when you think yep. about it, yep. you know, we've always admired the English. We've always admired the Americans, but look mm. who we've had. Lee yep. Priest, Sonny Schmidt, Gary Lua, mm -hmm. uh, myself, um, yep. Peter Frank Lindsay, Lindsay, all those guys, Frank Columbera. We've had some of the the world's, you know, because we're, where we're located, and you know, there was no real like Joe Weeder had 
muscle and fitness or muscle builder, and it was worldwide. Mm. Whatever we had here was either Paul's Magazine or Rocco's Magazine, and they never made it out of Sydney or Melbourne. No. No. Um, maybe went to the rest of Australia. So, you know, and George Johns brings it up all the time because he's from England. He said, like, mm. why does Australia have so many good bodybuilders? And I, I thought, what's he talking about? And then when I sat back and thought about it, yeah. I said, well, go back to 1975 when you were in love with Mr. America. I think back then it was Dale Adrian, mm. right? And look at the guys you had here mm. that nobody even knew about. Yep. And nobody they could knew have that they existed. They could, have you know? held, they could have held their own, to be honest. They could have held their own. <clears throat> so, um, you know, to me back then, it was a very hard time because I thought, Australia doesn't have it. And and to me, it was like, you've got to get out of this country. You've got to become the best and you've got to make yeah. this leap, <clears throat> you, you know, and if I'd have kept thinking and using the right ter wrong terminology, mm. speaking to myself, it never would have happened, Steve. Mm. You know, so mm. your, son, your son is a hundred percent correct. He's obviously yes. into the secret. Yes, he much is. More, much more. So you and I maybe doubt He's relaxed enough and he's put himself mm -hmm. in a place that you or I know it exists, but we probably just don't do it as well as him. And this is where your coaching comes in. Yeah. You need to have a mentor or a coach that's going yep. to keep you in line. Mm. And that's what I do with him. But being, um, being his dad, young men, you know. They don't listen to their dad. Or if you're not listening to dad. No, I've, I've got to find a different coach room down, down the track. We're not wired that way. No, no, that's right. right. And I want him to find other guys who um, he can aspire to and, and, and look up to. And, you know, I'm, I, I've been at that for the initial years, but it's time time for him to move on. But what I've offered him in the meantime has, has worked really well. And I've, I was really lucky. My parents were also very supportive when I was a fledgling bodybuilder. Yeah. Before my competition, my mum came along with $100 worth of salmon steaks and just filled my freezer with them. She, um, um, she popped around with steak and she also bought me a full body wax. That wasn't fun, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Never do one of them in one go. Oh, bloody yeah, hell. Yeah. Um, but she bought me a full body wax and, and a tan. And my dad, my dad had popped around and he was really supportive. They were in the front row. So I was, I was really lucky in that regard. So we do the same for my son. We make sure he's got the optimum food. He pays he pays board and everything, of course. But we um, provide him with the very best food. If he's got a really early morning shift and I'm awake, I'll help him out and then pack him his some meals for the day. Not done it. So um, all his dominoes are in line. So now it's just up to him to really take it on. And, and so uh, Steve, tell me about this domino. Then I didn't know your mother was so supportive because. When I guess posed in Tasmania, I don't know if you can see this poster here. This poster here is that no Tasmanian championship. I, that I didn't get to I, see. That you didn't get yeah, to see. That's, that's that poster there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's the one. Um, because from what I could remember, you and your father were belly aching so much. She said that if I hear this name, John Torelli, <laughs> one more time, I don't know what she threatened you with, but yeah, yeah, she said now you're on. telling me that she's really that supportive. So, Oh yeah, she was supportive. You know, it was only you. <laughs> it was so. I better tell. I better tell. You've got, you're going to have to tell this story before we finish off, <laughs> yeah. mate. Okay. Well, um, I remember when when John won when you won the best in Australia back back in 1980. My dad came in with a magazine as as he always would and go, son, check this out. This is bodybuilding, and he showed me your picture, and he said, this this is 
an Australian guy, and he's basically Frank Zane. I think you eventually got bigger than Frank Zane with the same Zane-esque features. Yeah, yeah. But he said, this is the new Frank Zane and in, it's in Australian. This is this is the next big thing in Australia. And he said, what he, he used to use a term called the look. And he the said, look. that's the look. Anyway, he, he showed me a picture. And we're like, wow, geez, that's incredible. Anyway, years later, we, we followed you in the, in the Olympia and and, um, and different magazines, and we, we loved your pictures in Iron Man, and, and we had them up on our wall in our gym and, and so on. And then one day I opened up the magazine, and then there was all these pictures of you. John Torelli coming to the Mr. Tasmania, I ran upstairs, Dad, we've got to go to this. And he goes, oh, my God, John Torelli, okay, we're going. So we're, we're really excited. And for the next few weeks, um, every now and then, Dad would just go, John Torelli, four days away, and um, Mum would go, oh, for God's sake, and because uh, that's all she'd heard. Anyway, the day came, and um, we both developed gastro, throwing up over, and over. We, we, we were sick as dogs, and we couldn't go. And, and anyway, for the next two weeks, <laughs> we are moping around the house. And then that's why my mum said, oh, we miss John Torelli. So my mum said, if I hear that bloody John Torelli, he's like, one more time, I'll skin you. <laughs> she had a gutful. She said, shut up. <laughs> well, you know, Get over it. You but it came to my Yeah, she, she, was, she could rattle off all the bodybuilders. Right. You, Rich Gaspari. Um, Rich Gaspari was her favourite. Um, and, um, yeah, she was she was into it. As, she was, she was still, Is she still with us? No, no, my, both my parents have passed. Um, she never did the bodybuilding, but she... your father was around till a few years ago, wasn't he? Yes, yes. I he, didn't realise that because yeah. when he was still around, I thought he had already gone. No, he was just, no. He was just very ill. Yeah, he was. He had Alzheimer's. So the the sad part is, up and his Alzheimer's hit him really fast. The yeah. doctors said we've never seen anything like this. I was just driving along in one day, and he said, "Who's following you?" And I go. No one's following me. I said, "Tell me the truth. I can, I can help you." If someone's following, he started talking nonsense. nonsense. He got arrest, arrested um, and put in put in jail because he was walking down the main street, stopping cars, and he just went like that. Oh. Prior to that, John, he had striated quads. Yeah. On no word of a lie, he still had his his eight pack. Like that, mm -hmm. and you know he wasn't a big man at that stage, but he was just starting to eat. Uh, he would cook bull's liver. He would he would go and buy bull's liver every second day with a mountain of vegetables, and he would eat um he would eat bull's liver by the bucket load. And he had a fire in his eye because he'd just seen a natural competition in Tasmania that had an over seventies division and an oh, over wow. division. He said, "I never knew this sort of thing was around." Wow. I said, "Do it." And um, when he passed, um, and I was cleaning out his house, which is a horrible thing for any son to do. I actually came across, and I never knew he'd done this, books for decades, and um, a book for each year, every single workout he'd done, he meticulously written down how he felt, what he'd eaten the day before, um, what kind of things made him feel good, um, a famous Zane quote, which would motivate him for that workout. So he was a, he was a thinking man's bodybuilder, yeah, yes, which yes. is what I, I, no, not blow my own trumpet, but that's what I did when I was young, and I didn't even realise he'd done it. He told mm. me Mm. A training journal, but I had no idea he had them all. So, um, yeah, it was I've actually got all of mine. I've actually yeah. got all of mine. There you go. There you In go. actual fact, I've, I've often thought about this a photo of me in 1976 at the Mr. New South Wales, the day after 
Robert took a photo of me doing a most muscular. Then there's a most muscular on the Mr. Olympian stage and they're exactly 10 years apart. And I have every single workout and training program that I did to go from a nobody in Australia to a Mr. Olympia competitor, how the gains were made, the workout that I used, the food. I'm just wondering if I did that and put it in a book form where for those 10 years, Uh everything's listed on on how I got from here to here. I'm not sure how that would go, but you're writing some books. So before we wrap up, I want to know, what are these books? You've been telling me for the longest time that you're going to have finished. I've been sure. waiting. I've offered help. Um, I'll do whatever you need. When are you yep. going to finish the bloody thing? Oh, my God. This summer. Um, I've, I've actually just cut my teaching down to two days a week, and I'm doing relief teaching on the other days, which is going to free me up so much to, to do what I need to do next. So my first book is everything that my dad learned and everything that I've learned. So about 70 um, yep, 60, 60 years worth of bodybuilding knowledge, um, 60 plus. We're putting everything that we have learned, everything from the old school magazines, everything yes. that we've applied is going into this book. It's, it's my opus. It's my it's my Bible. And the reason I'm writing it is to pass everything that I know onto my son so that he can sift for all the bullshit that floats around uh, and and. You know, I, I absolute honest advice for him to become the greatest natural bodybuilder he can be. And uh, it was originally supposed to come out in 2020, but then COVID happened. Yeah. And um, for, I don't know if, if you know what happened to teachers during COVID, but that, that online teaching, that was killer. I just <laughs> destroyed her. My, my first cousin is a teacher. It, it destroyed her. It's- oh, God. Yeah. So that's my first book. It's, it's basically my Bible of bodybuilding. That's the first one coming out. The second one you've done an interview for, and mm-hmm. Steve Davis, um, Doug Brignell before he passed, um, great, great bodybuilders. They're all – it's an interview book of who I consider to be, be the most aesthetic, amazing bodybuilders that have trodden this earth. I've interviewed as many of them as I can and just asked them 10 questions and they've answered it, and I'm going to release that with their photos. And what an amazing thing for young people to read. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, real aesthetic, not your massive bulbous insulin growth hormone abusers, but your um, V-shaped, X-brained, wide-shouldered, glowing skin, virility, vitality, um, a youthful vigour. That, that's the second book, an interview with those guys. Mm. And the third one is the Skinny Man's Bible. So it's it's a um, that's one that's coming up. It's going to be a book um, where someone who's incredibly, incredibly skinny, I'm going to give them advice about keeping an abbreviated workout routine, so three a week, um, keeping the movements heavy for them, not not heavy overall, but heavy for them. I know that's a topic you wanted to touch on as well, the concept of heavy, but we might have to do that next time. (laughs) We definitely have – we're not going to finish everything today. We're going to have to do this again. We'll do it again. (laughs) Because we've been going now for an hour and ten minutes and we've only – we've hardly scratched the surface. Yeah, yeah. So – I feel we need, might need to uh, collaborate on something. Some we some do, time. and whatever help you need, finishing the books, like I'm there for you. I just want Thank them finished. Nice. I got, got got something. No, because look, I've got my own projects, but they're totally different from yours. Yeah, yeah. But they'd be down the same line. So yeah. if I can help you be successful with what you're doing, mm-hmm. it's gonna nice line. The, it's gonna line the road for me because. Absolutely. 
um, you know, similar stuff but different. It's different. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know. So, so I want to see. I want to see yours come out. Yeah. Oh, it will. Don't you worry. <laughs> it will absolutely this summer. This summer, it's and people out. need people need to see it. They need to hear yeah. it. They need to participate yeah. in it. That's and, right. you know, that could be one of the very vital steps that we can take to change some of the things that we've been seeing. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll leave it with that then that, you know, as a bodybuilder, I'm not fit to carry your gym bag, but personally. I don't know. I wouldn't say um, that because you don't know what sort of shape I'm in. I know what you're capable of. Plus, yeah. Steve, it's, it's, it's what's in here, mate. It's yeah, what, yeah. It's I not love genetics. It. It's not, yeah. um, you know, when you get in there, and your son will probably tell you about this. I just know he's got. I, I know he's got it wrapped up because oh, yeah. everything, everything you've ever said, he's just going to. You know, he's just going to be a smarter version of you. He's already. Okay, well, <laughs> he's just like a sponge. Yeah. <laughs> wait till you meet him. He's an impressive character. He really yeah. No, is. I can't wait to meet him. And I. Yeah. I want to do that posing at the edge yes. of a rock. Absolutely. Um, I want to do all of that. Um, I, love, I love what you're doing, and if I can support yeah. you and help you in any way, I will. And um, I, I really hope even the short interview we did today um, gets out there and people take notice of it and, yep. and know what we're here for. I certainly hope so. Let's get these young young fellas on the right track. Yes. <laughs> and girls. And girls. And go- I'll leave you this really quickly. My my, I, I recently met a girl. She was 18. The most incredible shape we've ever seen. Like lats, unbelievable. So yeah, girls get in the gym as well. You know, yep. it's, it's absolutely vital, for, even more important for women to to weight train. Yep. It's a secret to longevity. It's a secret to health. You won't have to pop Viagra's when you're eighty years old. You'll keep your natural testosterone levels high. Bodybuilding is a gift that keeps on giving. So thanks, John, for the interview. Oh, uh, Steve, thank you so much, and yeah. uh, we'll have to do another one real soon. We will. Let's organise it. Right. Do it and we'll film soon.